The following is a live copyrighted presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time now for Radiolawtalk.com with your host, Frederick Penny, attorney at law. And now, Radiolawtalk.com. It's another beautiful day in the litigatory neighborhood. That's the, uh, that is the, um, let's see, not accepted version of the Mr. Rogers theme song. They, apparently they figured for the little kids having Fred Rogers come in and say, it's a beautiful day in the litigatory neighborhood, a beautiful day in the litigatory neighborhood, would you be mine? That just, it didn't roll off the tongue quite as well. But here at Radio Law Talk, it does. I'm Todd Kunin, uh, regular co-host here on Radio Law Talk, but sitting in the big chair as Fred Penny is on assignment, as well as Denise Dirks. Ah, yes. Ah, the trolley. Hello there, boys and girls. Do you have a case? Do you feel you've been injured in an accident? Are you a victim of asbestos? Do you feel like you have been wrongfully charged? Or did a dog bite you or push you over? (laughs) I'll tell you. Let me go ahead and change my shoes and put on a sweater. And once you fill out this form and pay my $2,500 retainer, I'll be happy to hear. (laughs) Yes, Mr. Rogers Law Firm. That would be an interesting skit to do. So that's the voice of Cal Hunter you hear behind the glass that you hear for with us every Radio Law Talk episode that we do. And seated to my right is Will Ramey, who is from Fred Penny's Law Firm and filling in today, giving us his his wisdom and insights into all things. He is a personal injury attorney, and a, the the joke that Cal had referred to earlier about dog bites was uh, <laughs> in introducing Mr. Ramey. We talked about the fact that he handles uh, cases where people are injured by all sorts of motor vehicles or, or vehicles of all types, as well as dog bites, and he pointed out that what is a common Dog injury suffered? What? What? How does it happen? Get knocked down by the dog. That's right, folks. I just find that stunning for some reason. Wait a minute. Get it? Stunning. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Allow me to press pause. P-A-W-S on that. So. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, well, so the canines are... The canines are copying humans. It's no longer just cow tipping. They're human tipping. Hey, Rusty, look. (laughs) There's a guy with a walker. Go do your thing. You say that you do personal injury, but it's against ethical canons to say you specialize in something, right? Why is that? That, That's right. So in California, for example, you can get bar certified Specialties like you can get a specialty in criminal law, and there's a bunch of criteria that you have to or go through. Or patent law, and or, and yeah. and whatnot. But yes, the state bar frowns, and ethically, you can't say I specialize in this, I specialize in that. It, it tends to, I think, the reason behind it is it tends to suggest to the uh, person that you have some sort of state-sanctioned or bar-sanctioned increased ability oh, I see. I in see. a certain area over somebody that doesn't happen. And, and the bar just doesn't – they don't want to really get into the business of saying, yeah, this person is better than that person is. So, um, so you know, if somebody says, well, I specialize in this, okay, well, who determines specialization? 
and how did it happen? Where can I go? It's, it's like when somebody posts, uh, I got an A rating by the Better Business Bureau. Well, you can go there and find out why they have it. Sure. You but, know, um, so you would instead say, I choose to practice criminal law? Yeah. I mean, just focus that, on my, it. My yeah. area of emphasis. And, and that's, that's beneficial because, you know, like with doctors, you wouldn't want to go to the uh, cardiologist for problems with your feet. Or, right. Yeah, or other kind of exam. I just got one of this week. <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, the point is, yeah, easy. <laughs> right. Is that Babar with two Bs? <laughs> Kudos if you know that movie. <laughs> I thought you meant two Bs right next to each other. <laughs> Try to smile through that. Anyway, so, uh, so, so you really can't uh, can't say I specialize in something like that, which which <laughs> I, I'm fascinated by because there are firms that literally specialize in specific things, but they can't say it. Well, they, they, what they'll say is these are the kind of cases we handle. Yeah. They just don't use the word specialize. So do you refer a lot of cases? Is that a dumb question? What, 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 what's your, what, what is your practice on that will for referral? Somebody comes in, it's not necessarily in your wheelhouse. It's not what you do. Um, what's your practice on that? Uh, well, I th- the, the lawyering business is really unique in that sense because your license would allow you to do. You, you technically could take uh, take take anybody in, uh, whereas doctors, there's a bunch of board, there's a bunch of board certifications, and doctors will, you know, it, it, literally that's what it's commonly. Refer- I'm, I'm going to my general doctor, and then they're going to refer me to a specialist because I've I've got this type of issue. I think most uh, lawyers uh, and most lawyers that we deal with. They do focus on one area of law because you it's really hard to be great at two. You know, yeah. and I mentioned the word great because you don't want to be the type of lawyer that's not uh, focused and going to be providing the best type of service. And likewise, somebody comes into something that I don't handle, um, like a family law issue. We don't do that at our firm. So what am I going to do? I'm going to refer them out to somebody that focuses on that, that that's what they they know what they're doing. They've done that before. They know all the nuances of it. They're great at that. Uh, you know, and then likewise, if something, uh, uh, you know, comes their way and, hey, I'm going to I'm great at family law, but I'm, I don't do estate planning, for instance. Well, I'm going to send them to somebody that only does that estate planning because they're going to be great at it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that they're get, they get taken care of by somebody who knows what they're doing. Sure. You know, I was talking with you over the break, Cal, uh, earlier today, and there is one area, for example, if you practice patent law, there is a patent bar that you have to pass in addition to whatever uh, bar certification you have in whatever state you're in, and there are certain requirements. You have to have a, a undergraduate degree in a, in a specific scientific discipline in order to be able to do that. Now, patents are federal. Is that a federal bar? I believe I believe it's a bar that is overseen by the patent office. I'm not certain of that, but you do have to have that in order to be able to practice patent law, but that's the only one that I really know of. And, and I want to touch on something that Will had just said. Yeah, you, you get your law degree, and you, and you get your bar card from the state where you pass, and you can technically practice any area of law that doesn't require something additional like patent law that you that you want. You can, but you still have the ethical responsibility, and the bar rules say that you have to provide competent service. You have to you have to be able to provide. You got to know what you're doing, and so you know that's one reason why. Like somebody comes to me and says, 
yeah, I, uh, I, I would really like to do personal injury. If somebody came to me, I'd refer them to a person. I'd refer them to Fred because I don't know everything there is to know about that. I know that I wouldn't be as competent in personal injury law as Will or Fred or anybody else. It's what they do. And so, you know, normally you'd want to say that, uh, that the profession can police itself. But by the state bar saying you're not going to allow it to specialize and say that, it also provides a level of protection for consumers that are hiring an attorney to know that there are some people that say they specialize in things that they really don't, and now I know that the law requires them not to. So, so what's the least popular form of law to practice? Is, pro- it, is it family law? Proctology law. It's a, <laughs> it's a very. It's, it's just. Yeah, it's, that, now that's a specialty. It's right there. in the yeah. dumps. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'd say. That my answer. I'm sticking by it. I mean, I think I've heard that family laws is one that it's you, tough. You it's either difficult. really, really like or you really, really don't. It right? is very, it is very difficult. Denise, in my opinion, is one of the best I've seen at what she does. Um, but yeah, it is. It's a difficult area of law. I've heard that one of the oxymorons is the is civil litigation. Because it's anything but civil. Criminal law attorneys get along better with each other than civil attorneys do I've seen. But we're headed to break. We'll be back. This is Radio Law Talk on RadioLawTalk.com and on your favorite radio station. Thanks for listening. All advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to RadioLawTalk.com. Warning, don't let your business get left behind in what is likely to be the biggest economic boom in recent history. If you need to build for your business to grow, call General Steel today for a pre-engineered steel building designed for your needs. No wasted space. Steel prices are expected to rise, but you can still lock in your price on a General Steel building. And you can still save as much as half the cost and time of conventional construction. As much as half. But you must call now. If you need a church building, office, warehouse, manufacturing space, retail space, or more. Call General Steel today. You can still get the General's 50-year structural warranty and General Steel quality, all at a price you can afford. So don't let rising steel prices put your project out of reach and stop you from making your company great. 800-617-9312. 800-617-9312. That's 800-617-9312. If you're one of those independent people who want your own business and you love food service, we just might have a great opportunity for you. Iceberg Drive-Ins. Iceberg is famous for its thick shakes and delicious food. We lend you our supply chain and expertise, and you can potentially have a thriving, successful, fun business that your customers will love. Iceberg Drive-Ins has some prime areas available right now, so if you're interested, get in touch with us right away. Go to icebergdrivein.com and click on the Contact Us button. Iceberg Drive-In. Ready to grow with you. The cost of getting rid of garbage is high, and recycling products is lucrative. If you're a business or know of a business that needs an individual compactor or baler, call Northwest Compacting at 888-201-0911. If you already have an industrial compactor, baler, or shredder and need service, don't forget to call Northwest Compacting at 888-201-0911. Northwest Compacting, your full-service industrial compacting and baling company. Read more about them at northwestcompacting.com. 
This is Denise Dirks. We can represent clients in divorce, legal separation, child and spousal support, custody, termination of parental rights, step-parent adoptions, guardianships, and even conservatorship matters. Call 1-877-886-7186 for a consultation. The law offices of Denise L. Dirks provide family law services in Northern California. When the law affects your family, call 877-886-7186. The family of attorneys at Denise L. Dirks is here to help. Jason Ross back here with Fred Penny, managing attorney from Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers. Now, Fred, what type of cases are you dealing with now, and what sets you apart? Jason, we help people with all types of personal injury cases. We're former insurance company trial lawyers. We understand the other side, which gives us a distinct advantage over our competition. Remember, we don't get paid unless we win. That's Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers with locations throughout California. For a free consultation, go to pennylawyers.com or give them a call 1-800-616-4LAW. That's P-E-N-N-E-Y lawyers.com. Many women have so many clothes in the closet, but then we go to get dressed and find we have nothing to wear. Ah! We've all been there. We all want to be comfortable and fashionable at the same time, and it's difficult to find clothing that makes that task effortless. But at Letty & Company, you can find trendy, comfortable clothing that is affordable, things you'll want to wear every day. Shop with a purpose online with free shipping. Just go to lettyandcompany.com. LettyandCompany.com. I am Cameron Levitt, Chief Operating Officer of Concussion Medical Clinic. California's first concussion medical clinic is now open. As concussions increase each year, there has never been a greater need for concussion specialists. Our physicians at Concussion Medical Clinic are board certified in pediatric neurology and sports medicine and have partnered with universities, hospitals, and rehab clinics to expedite the recovery process. Simply put, we are elevating the standard of care. When you need an expert concussion opinion or concussion care, visit concussionmedicalclinic.com to schedule your appointment. This is Radio Law Talk. And now, back to the show. So we were talking, Will and I were, about uh, Cal's question about, you know, wh- which area of the law is, you know, the least favorable area. And I, I would say... Well, it depends on whether you're asking in terms of least favorable in terms of subject matter or least favorable in terms of quality of life, how much time that specific area of law requires of the attorney. You know, you get these guys that graduate from the tax law to, in tax. They, they focus on tax law and law school. They go to work for some of these big tax firms and stuff. They, uh, you know, look. Those firms, they plan on the associate, the new associate, not staying any longer than two or three years. And they work you 80 hours a week. I mean, you are you are plowing through it. Um, the Firm, the the m- movie with Tom Cruise and Gene Hackman. On the John, based on the John Gresham novel. Yes, right. that was based on that idea. It was a tax law firm. And, and that was what they talked about. It was true. They talked about uh, how. People graduating with that kind of emphasis, what they were focusing on in law school, they go to work for these places and they just put in a ton of hours. And they even portrayed that in the film where Tom Cruise was he was showing up to work at like four thirty, five o'clock in the morning, not leaving until you know, 11 o'clock at night, never seeing his wife. Um, well, the associates do the work. The partners get the money. Isn't that how it works? Well, because the partners at one time were associates, so it's. <laughs> oh wait, not supposed to say. That. Yes, I, one, one of one of my one of my best lines in movies, one of my favorite lines in movies, actually comes from the firm, 
and it's the part where Tom Cruise is talking to uh, to Gene Hackman. Tom is the new attorney, and Hackman was his uh, mentor, partner in the firm. And they were talking about why they went to law school and why they became lawyers. And Cruz says, you know, I went because I was working for this small mom and pop. Government came in, shut him down. He says, oh, so you're an idealist. He goes, no, they shut him down. I lost my job. I just was afraid of governmental power. Why would you go to law school? Gene Hackman looks back and he says, well, when I was growing up, when I was a teenager, I worked for a country club. And all these high-priced, rich lawyers used to come in with their wives and girlfriends and I took one look at those long, tanned legs, and I knew I wanted to be a lawyer. And then, and then he says, and the wives and girlfriends weren't bad looking either. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> You're like, oh, that was the joke in the film, and ha, ha, ha. You know, so, uh, but yes, that's what, that's what it's like. And there, there's some, there, look, I, to me, it would be working for a sweatshop, something, someone that, I heard one firm, they had like a 2,500-hour-a-year billable minimum. Wow. It was pitched to me by somebody who's being, hey, we're reasonable. You should come to work for us. And they they were doing um, they were doing uh, representing insurance companies in workers' comp. It was just like all over the place. They had a lot. And I was like, you know, we were talking. You got a bill. You, you, you usually bill. You're re- a really efficient biller is somebody that for every hour they work, they're able to bill. Actually, they're, they're able to bill two-thirds of that hour. That's really efficient. Oh. You start doing that calculation for 2,500 hours, and you, you don't have a family life. You never see anybody. So. Got it. But uh, that has nothing to do with case or no case, though. But this does. Okay. Now it's time to play case <laughs> or no case. Yay! And Will figures he's got this one because he gets to go first. But let me give you the scenario first, if I may. A man from Miami, Florida, flies to Denver, Colorado. He has a tour planned. Because he has a very specific year and make and equipment package of a used BMW he wants to buy. So he'd laid out an itinerary for his car-seeking adventure that would take him to Denver, where he'd look at one car, through the Midwest, where he would look at three more, then to Rhode Island, then to South Carolina, before he would drive his rental car that he picked up in Colorado back to Miami, then make his decision and buy his BMW. His name was Nang Hai Thai, T-H-A-I, Nang Thai. He rented a car from a regional rental company called Advantage Car Rental, picked it up in Denver, and then he was driving to the, across the Midwest and comes into Nebraska. Well, an alert highway patrolman noticed that the, rent, the uh, license tags on the car, even though they were from Colorado, were expired. So he pulls the car over. He then asks... Uh, this car's from Colorado. And he says, that makes me a little suspicious. What are you carrying in the car? He says, me. I'm just going on this tour. And, and the cop says, nah. Uh, what, may I search the car? No. So he calls out the drug sniffer. Here comes Fido. Fido alerts. So they crack open the car, and in the back behind the seat, uh, stuffed up in the seat cushion, is 50 pounds of marijuana. <gasps> Now, of course, Mr. Ty insists the pot isn't his. Nebraska authorities say, tell it to the judge. So they confirm the ownership of the car, but not the marijuana. Mr. Ty still faced transportation charges, so he sought counsel, thinking that he had been forced into being an unwitting mule for an employee of Advantage Rent-A-Car. And so I ask you, case or no case, and we will go first with you, Will Ramey. What say you? 
Man, this is tough, and Todd has the distinct advantage. Well, I know that. (laughs) (laughs) Had he he gotten hurt in the car, then you would have something. Yes, and and when he got out to do the sobriety test, a dog tipped him over. Did the dog knock him down (laughs) on the the test? Um, Boy, case or no case. And so we're talking about Mr. Ty. Whether yeah, he Mr. Ty wants to, to take action or is trying to seek counsel to take action against the car rental company and or the employee who rented him the car. That, see, that's very helpful because against the highway patrol, no. no. <laughs> that's not going to happen. We know that. Yeah. So, so who did he file? It, it's, did he file a suit against the I car didn't, I didn't say oh. filed suit. I okay, say he right. sought counsel. Sought counsel. Should, okay. Yeah, and then, then the possible defendants are the car rental company. And a clerk or employee who rented him the car, who knew where it was going to end up in Florida. Oh, yes. He knew the destination. I'm going to say case. I'm going to say that there was a case. Now, do you want me to get to whether he yeah, who prevailed? Prevails. Who, prevails? who yeah. prevailed on that case? Hmm. I'm going to split. I'm going to do a split here, and I'm going to say he did not prevail. Oh, Interesting. Case and Interesting. he loses. Wow. Case and he loses. So I'll give my answer after the break as the ominous, well, I don't know how ominous guitar playing is. After the music comes, we'll go to break and I'll give my answer when we come back. All right. The conclusion to Case or No Case and much more Radio Law Talk are all straight ahead right here. You stay there. We'll be back. for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to radiolawtalk.com. Warning, don't let your business get left behind in what is likely to be the biggest economic boom in recent history. If you need to build for your business to grow, call General Steel today for a pre-engineered steel building designed for your needs. No wasted space. Steel prices are expected to rise, but you can still lock in your price on a General Steel building. And you can still save as much as half the cost and time of conventional construction. As much as half. But you must call now. If you need a church building, office, warehouse, manufacturing space, retail space, or more. Call General Steel today. You can still get the General's 50-year structural warranty and General Steel quality, all at a price you can afford. So don't let rising steel prices put your project out of reach and stop you from making your company great. 800-617-9312. 800-617-9312. That's 800-617-9312. Know someone with a drinking or drug problem? Learn how to get sober after we share these stories. I was 35 with two beautiful children when my life and addiction started to spiral out of control. After my divorce, I went into a depression cycle and started drinking more often and using prescription drugs. After my second DWI and arrest, my ex-husband threatened to take our children away from me. I was 17 when I became addicted to heroin and meth. I thought I could quit on my own, but I couldn't. It hit me when I was arrested. Get sober now. Your private insurance may cover costs and we'll get you here. It's simple. Just call Elite Rehab Placement right now. Please, don't wait. Your life matters to us. 800-918-1376. 
That's 800-918-1376. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-263-2610. 800-263-2610. That's 800-263-2610. All right, guys, we need to have you read some lines for our disclaimer promo. But first, can anybody tell me what a disclaimer is? Right then. Well, uh, Denise, you go ahead. Non uti proprium juris consult. Latin, that's a nice touch. Thank you, Denise. Next time we'll try it in English if that's okay. Fred, how about you? Cal, I don't want to read all this. Can we just tell the people that we're discussing general legal issues and they should hire their own attorney instead of relying on what we have to say here? Well, we could, I guess. Uh, Chris? I'm not going to be there anyway. Why have me do it? Let's, Let's have, have Todd do it. it. Me? Read disclaimers? Why, I couldn't. <coughs> the information you hear on Radio Law Talk is general... The preceding promo was for entertainment purposes only. And if you want true legal advice, contact your own lawyer. Just a tip from your friends at Radio Law Talk. Be sure to read our disclaimers on radiolawtalk.com as well. Even in the hustle and noise of this modern world, we feel the pull of the forest. To walk under the canopy and feel transformed. National forests are essential to life. Majestic and grand, they clean our air, supply drinking water to millions, and provide homes to countless wildlife. They fuel our imaginations, inspiring us to think big, and now's the time to do just that. Fires and natural disasters devastate our forests each year. That's why we're replanting millions of new trees across the country. The Arbor Day Foundation needs your help. We've heard the call of the wild and we've answered. Scientists, foresters, volunteers, and members, together we can preserve and protect our heritage and legacy. We must act now so that the generations of today and tomorrow can continue to depend on our forests. Visit arborday.org. See how you can help. This is Radio Law Talk. And now, back to the show. So, this case or no case, if I understand this one correctly, is Mr. Ty uh, is going on a cross-country trip to maybe purchase a vehicle. He rents a vehicle in Colorado. Um, unbeknownst to him at the time, the registration had been expired on the vehicle that he rented from a rental car rental agency. And when he's going through Nebraska, is pulled over 
by an officer who sees the expired registration. The officer comes over, says, where are you going? He gives his story. The officer says, I don't think so. Let me search your car. Guy says, no. And they bring out a drug-sniffing dog, find dope in the back seat. Correct. And Mr. Ty says, it is not mine, and there's nothing, no evidence tying it to him except for the fact that it is in the car. Yes. All right. So here's what I see. I see a big Fourth Amendment problem for the CHP with this one. I'm going to say it's a case. All right. And the big problem that I've got is based upon the concept of prolonged detention. So case law says, for purposes of the Fourth Amendment, be free from unreasonable searches and seizures, and a detention qualifies under the Fourth Amendment. Being pulled over is a detention. Um, There's a doctrine that says that traffic stops are to occur for no longer than it takes to satisfy the means and the ends of the traffic stop. So if an officer pulls somebody over for expired registration... And you go over and the guy says, okay, I rented the car. Here's my rental agreement, everything that I've got. Uh, The officer would look at it. And generally speaking, they would issue a fix-it ticket. you got 30 days to get this remedied, be on your way, and done. The whole thing should take maybe five, maybe ten minutes. It doesn't take that long. When the officer gets there and says, I don't think so, let me get a drug-sniffing dog, and assuming that the dog isn't in the back of the patrol officer's vehicle... No, he had to call one in. Yes. I mean, you're talking about something that takes 15, 20, 30 minutes to get the dog from wherever they are to come out to alert. Now you've got a prolonged detention situation. Under the Fourth Amendment, they could find all the dope they want if the court determines that it's prolonged. It gets suppressed because of the violation of the Fourth Amendment. Hmm. Any evidence that's found as a result of the violation, called the fruit of the poisonous tree, would be suppressed. And so I think that Mr. Ty has a very good defense when this is, you know, and, and Will raised an interesting question. He goes, you know, that raises the conundrum of when you exercise your constitutional rights, because you don't have to let them search, right? Correct. You know, when you raise the constitution, you exercise your constitutional rights, can the officer go, well, that makes you look guilty, and then use that as the basis? And you, the officers are not allowed, and the law does not allow the exercise of a constitutional right to be that which provides the probable cause to justify the search. Well, I, a very good friend of mine who was a patrol person and then eventually went into education said, Everybody, I pull over. I say, you mind if I search the car? And if they say no, I usually say, why not? What are you hiding from me? Yeah. So that's not a presumption of innocence, is it? No, it's 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 not. Uh, you know, and so that I guess it'd be really difficult there, where people have their uh, exercise of constitutional rights being held against them. So in this case here, I'm going to say that it is a case, and that as to the criminal case, Mr. Ty prevails in anything that came against him, because before they even get to who possessed it and what happened, the evidence would be suppressed. It's not his. And so it goes away. All right. So do you have any regrets over your answer that you gave us earlier, Will? Nope. I'm sticking with it. And you say it's a case and the plaintiff prevails? I mean, the defendant prevails? Yep, that's what I'm saying. And Todd, you say basically the same thing. Is that correct? Uh, Who's your defendant, Mr. Ty? 
You missed a time. Or, or who was your? Who was the who, defendant? Who you, my my defendants that prevail are the rental car company oh, yeah. and the employee. Right, right, right. Yeah, so yeah, he, yeah. he went the, he went that's the civil I route. I went the criminal yeah, route. Yeah, that's what I meant. Okay. Defendants. I got my my defendants and my plaintiffs backwards. I apologize. Okay, so those of you who say it is a case, may I see by a show of hands, please? This, this always makes that me would nervous. be Will and Todd. Strategy. <laughs> Oh, brother. I made the whole thing up. <laughs> so, no points for you. And that, ladies, but it was an interesting one I made up, don't you think? Was, that was a law school exam. <laughs> well, it, it reminded me of something that I saw the other day about a guy who was here from, I think, Dubai. And he wanted to travel throughout the United States, and he had his Lamborghini shipped over so he could do that. Sure. And there's a treaty for you to be able to drive your car without the registration tags, and he had everything there. You can find this video on YouTube because he gets pulled over, I think, in Oregon. And the officer that comes over that doesn't understand international law gave him all of the crap in the world. And he's sitting there trying to show, here's what it is. This is the treaty. Admittedly, the guy in the car could have done it without being so condescending. Yeah, tactful would have been helpful. But at at the end of it, you know, the officer didn't want to admit he was wrong. Finally comes back and says, well, I just got called out on another call. It's more serious than this. You just watch yourself, okay? And he takes off. So, uh, but uh, Easy out. Yeah. Well, we all know if you get pulled over, the first test you must pass is the attitude test. That's right. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is case or no case. Two points for you today, Todd. Two points for Fred via his proxy will today. And away we go. Look, if it was baseball, I'd be happy with the average, but it's not. (laughs) So, uh, all right. So, um, if you've been following the news, and hopefully you have, if you've ever seen the movie A Few Good Men, you know that sometimes things go down in the military. And when that happens, the military has their own tribunal that prosecutes their, uh, prosecutes their own for murder and other violations of the law. The Judge Advocate General is part of the, is the agency that prosecutes. And that's what's going on in San Diego right now, where a Navy SEAL... Uh, Mr. Gallagher, forgot his first name here, Edward Gallagher, is being prosecuted for murder and assault on two other individuals based upon his actions while overseas fighting ISIS. And, Will, you're going to get us up to speed on that. What's going on? So, really interesting trial. And as you mentioned, he's got three charges going against him. This is really about the one uh, for the murder of a teenager. Yes, and uh, the allegations that the Navy prosecutors are going with is that he, that Mr. Gallagher had stabbed this, uh, a, a prisoner of ISIS, who uh, there's some, you know, there's a lot of dispute, but um, had been injured in an airstrike. And it's kind of a, uh, there's, there's disputed facts, and there's this kind of a bombshell witness who came in today, kind of a real life, a few good men moment. Yeah, and you say today. It was this week. This week, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not this morning, not this morning, a few days ago. Uh, Came in and testified about, uh, you know, what had happened, what went down. And he was testifying under some immunity. He had been agreed to uh, not have some criminal liability, some some immunity to testify, and that's kind of common. They said they could still kick him out of the Navy and the SEALs, though, because they were not very happy with what he ended up testifying about. And so this is um, uh, Special Warfare Operator First Class, Corey Scott. Yes. And he came in and said, yep, 
Guy had been injured, and he had been stabbed in the neck by Mr. Gallagher, which is a little problematic uh, when you're when you're on trial for murder and attempted murder. Now, Gallagher was a medic, too. He had medical training, I believe. So to be stabbed in the neck by the medic that's supposed to be there, yikes. Anyway. And, and so this is where it gets a little bit, you know, potentially difficult for the prosecution and difficult for the Navy. So uh, Scott says he, he'd been stabilized and he was breathing normally. So he was going to live. So I'm a medic, and, and Mr. Gallagher is a medic. He'd been injured in the airstrike, stabbed in the neck. He'd been stabilized and breathing normally. Um, but that Mr. Scott had uh, decided that he was going to block the air tube and, because he believed that he would have eventually been tortured by Iraqi forces is what Mr. Scott testified to. And, of course, the prosecution is uh, just going bananas and they say that is not what he had indicated before, that he had changed his story to protect Mr. Gallagher. And, you know, they bring him in as this witness because, look, everything that happened up to that point had been trying to show that that Mr. Gallagher had a, a grudge against the ISIS fighters and whatever. There were folks that talked about when the teenager, and this was a, a teen, an ISIS teen who had been injured over the radio chatter, Gallagher, who was not there when they first came upon him, said, leave him alone, he's mine, I'll take care of him when he gets there. He gets there to take care of him. Scott was supposed to testify that, but that when Gallagher stabbed, allegedly, the teen, he said, quote, well, the kid's just an ISIS dirtbag. What yeah. they didn't expect was that Scott would say, we stabilized him, he would have lived, but I'm the one that cut off the air tube and and uh, suffocated him, essentially, as a mercy killing. Uh, we're going to talk when we come back about immunity agreements really quickly and how this is going to impact the case. You're listening to Radio Law Talk. Don't go away. Radio Law Talk. We'll be back. Radio Law Talk and RadioLawTalk.com. All advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to RadioLawTalk.com. If you're one of those independent people who want your own business and you love food service, we just might have a great opportunity for you. Iceberg Drive-Ins. Iceberg is famous for its thick shakes and delicious food. We lend you our supply chain and expertise, and you can potentially have a thriving, successful, fun business that your customers will love. Iceberg Drive-Ins has some prime areas available right now, so if you're interested, get in touch with us right away. Go to icebergdrivein.com and click on the Contact Us button. Iceberg Drive-In. Ready to grow with you. Jason Ross back here with Fred Penny, managing attorney from Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers. Now, Fred, what type of cases are you dealing with now, and what sets you apart? Jason, we help people with all types of personal injury cases. We're former insurance company trial lawyers. We understand the other side, which gives us a distinct advantage over our competition. Remember, we don't get paid unless we win. That's Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers with locations throughout California. For a free consultation, go to pennylawyers.com or give them a call 1-800-616-4LAW. That's P-E-N-N-E-Y lawyers.com. 
This is Denise Dirks. We can represent clients in divorce, legal separation, child and spousal support, custody, termination of parental rights, step-parent adoptions, guardianships, and even conservatorship matters. Call 1-877-886-7186 for a consultation. The law offices of Denise L. Dirks provide family law services in Northern California. When the law affects your family, call 877-886-7186. The family of attorneys at Denise L. Dirks is here to help. Not all law firms have extensive experience in all areas of the law. It's wise to look for firms that have knowledge and understanding in your particular area of concern. So go to ProLawFirms.com. They have listings of attorneys in key areas of practice, such as family law, estate planning, personal injury, bankruptcy, and so forth. When you're looking for a lawyer that has extensive experience in your particular area of need, go to ProLawFirms.com. That's ProLawFirms.com. ProLawFirms.com is not a law firm and does not endorse or recommend any specific law firm. I'm going to quick quack car wash. Get my car washed. Make it quick quack. Pretty shiny sexy just because I want to. Don't drive dirty. Going to get my car suds in the quick quack car wash. It's the quick quack quickest and the cleanest by far. We're talking three skinny minutes sitting right in your car. Watch a hundred feet of cloth. Washing your car at the quick quack car wash. Any Honda, Mazda, Ford, or Chevy, Sauber, Cadillac, quick quack. Don't spruce her up just like that. You'll be happy looking snappy. You'll be glad you was at the quick quack. Car wash it on the web and go to don'tdrivedirty.com and see where you got your closest quick quack in the local area. Get in your car. Get in your truck. Get on the road and come visit the dock. Quick quack car wash, where your car will always leave happy, guaranteed. They take pride in being clean and green by conserving and recycling the water they use only at the Quick Quack Car Wash. I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know what to do about it. I tried counting calories, I took pills, eating and eating, and then more eating. I really wanted to stop, but nothing could make me stop. At one point, it was so bad that I just felt like giving up. I felt so alone like nobody else could possibly understand we understand we're overeaters anonymous and we have helped thousands of people just like you people who want to stop their compulsive eating and start living a healthy rewarding life overeaters anonymous help me get my life back now i eat in a way that's healthy and good for me i never realized what i was missing out on with oa i am living again and loving it. Start living the life you deserve with help from Overeaters Anonymous. Find us on the web at oa.org. Can we stop now? All around the world, the world. This is Radiolawtalk.com. Law Talk and Radiolawtalk.com. We can't stop now. We still got time left on the clock. Come on. So we're talking about the case of the Navy SEAL, um, Edward Gallagher. Excuse me. We talked about that going into the break. So the star witness or one of the witnesses for the prosecution has thrown a curveball saying he's the one that actually killed the ISIS. Now, Let's look at what that testimony, uh, the ISIS prisoner. Let's look at what that testimony does. First off, let's talk about immunity agreements. Does the prosecution enter into immunity agreements with people who might 
otherwise be facing criminal liability in exchange for their testimony? Yes, they do. I mean, the idea is, have you ever heard the phrase, uh, there are bigger fish to fry? So they're going after the big fish, and they think the big fish is Gallagher. And if they have to forego prosecuting Scott for something less in order for them to get evidence against Gallagher, well, then they'll do it. So the question here is, what happens when the witness, Scott, violates the immunity agreement? Well, there is no agreement when that happens. The immunity agreement is a two-way street. Look, we'll, go, we'll, we'll forego this if you testify to this. And, and trust me, when they enter into immunity agreements, they already know or expect what you will testify to. You have proposed it to them through your counsel if you're a defendant. If you agree to this immunity agreement, I will testify to X, Y, and Z. There you go. And the prosecution says, okay, we'll agree to that if they want to. Well, it appears that uh, Scott testified to X, Y, Z, and then double A, which is additional information. Okay? Mm. And I guess the prosecution has to look at that and say, does that torpedo our case? Does it, do, if you were the one that actually put the ISIS team to death, does that mean that we can't pursue murder charges against Gallagher, even though he's the one that stabbed the team? Um, how do we know you're not working with him? You know, you would ask the question that if Scott violated the agreement, could they then turn around and prosecute Scott for whatever they agreed not to prosecute him for because he lied and use his statements in court against him? Yeah, they can do that because Scott didn't live up to the agreement. So, so there's liability there, but... I suppose the question here is, did Scott lie? Did he lie? Because you certainly don't want to be, if you're a prosecutor, in a situation where you, you you reach an immunity agreement with somebody if they say X, Y, and Z. But if it's not true, now you're trying to hold them to an agreement, but also requiring that they perjure themselves if something is not true. I would think in this case, if they still had access to the body or if they had forensics, that they could determine whether... The teen died from the wound, or if the if it showed signs that the teen died from asphyxiation, or if the teen died from bleeding out. I mean, those are distinctions that they can make in a forensic examination. So if the teen died from something other than asphyxiation, well, then Scott's story that I clipped the tube and, and took his air away, that wouldn't be true, right? No. If they yeah. could show forensically that it was something else. The other thing... For Gallagher is, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, this guy admitted to it, and they're not, why aren't they dropping the charges? A lot of people, they admitted to it, why aren't they dropping the charges? Well, Scott's testimony on the stand is one piece of evidence. The jury's the one that decides whether they believe Scott or not, right? You know, do I believe him or not? If they don't believe him, they're back to all the evidence that everybody else has. And if, if what Scott said was true, That doesn't remove from Gallagher liability for the assault and stabbing the teen. He claims it was accidental. The evidence suggests that maybe it wasn't, given his desire to get there. And it doesn't have anything to do with the liability that Gallagher is facing for, and we haven't talked about this much, the charges of shooting the elderly man on Father's Day in the shoulder and shooting the little girl, which occurred at a different time when he was in a sniper post. So, you know... 
this does not save the day for him. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting how things move forward, though. What do you think? Yeah, I, 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 I don't know how it's going to shake out. And I'm uh, with with Gallagher. I mean, I think you stab somebody in the neck, you know, and you're already charged with attempted murder. And the guy says, oh, yeah, he did stab him in the neck, but that didn't kill him. I killed him. That's essentially what they got. So maybe the murder charge goes away, and I don't know how helpful that is to Mr. Gallagher. Um, I'm really curious about what's going to happen to uh, Mr. Scott, who came in and testified. That's really what I'm curious is, you know, had he been facing any charges before? You know, was he just, you know, hey, I'm not facing any charges. I'm not going to get kicked out of the Navy. I'm just going to keep doing my job. Uh, that's what I'm really curious. Like in light of these revelations, what's going to happen with him? Cause Mr. Cause this Eddie Gallagher, that's what his friends call him, by the way, is yeah. Eddie. Um, Eddie's in big trouble. Uh, I, I think that he's, you know, there's a lot of evidence stacked up against him, but, uh, this, uh, I don't know what's going on with this Corey Scott. You know, is he the next one to be looking at, looking at a long time in military prison? Maybe Cal. Well, what if things don't turn out the way that the uh, the witness, the guy that said I did the killing, what if what if it turns out that the prosecutors are lying to him in his view? Does he have any recourse, or is he just out of luck? What, what do you who, mean? What, what who do you decides? Mean lying to him? I'm saying who decides? Okay, you didn't keep our agreement, therefore our agreement's off. Who decides that? Does the prosecution decide that? Does the judge decide that? How does that work? Well, I, I look. They can go ahead and charge him, right? And I would think that, let's say they go and they charge Corey Scott. At some point in time, Corey Scott is going to make an argument that his statement, to that the statement that they want to use against him in the trial, which basically is inculpatory, he, he admits he did something wrong and stuff, they're going to want to use that against him because the prosecution can't rely on the fact that Scott may or may not take the stand. They can't call. You can't call a defendant to the stand. Right. Always cracks me up in TV when they do. That can't happen. Um, and so Scott is going to say, well, look, your, your key evidence is this. They file a motion to suppress the evidence based upon a prior agreement with the prosecution. And in that motion with the judge, the judge will make the determination whether or not the agreement was violated. If it was violated, yeah, the evidence comes in. If it wasn't violated, then it doesn't. Got it. Okay. And so, I'm just curious. I mean, it seems to me like a lot of people take risks when they make these kinds of deals with prosecutors. They take a risk that it's it just may not turn out as well for them as they might think. One of the biggest is uh, something we covered in a previous episode. You can find in our podcast about Bill Cosby, where he agreed he had an agreement with a prosecutor that they wouldn't prosecute him, which allowed him to testify freely in a civil deposition where he made statements that tended to that, that were not exculpatory. They inculpatory. They showed guilt. And then. When things changed in the prosecutor's office, new prosecutor, new right. prosecutor came in. They said, "Hey, we're not going to honor that agreement. We're not going to honor that one." And they want to use the testimony against him. Now, look, there might be different tribunals: military law versus versus um, yeah, regular yeah. regular law, wherever. But it's still the U.S. Constitution. It's going to be viewed in that light. And so that's an example of how it can come back to really haunt you. If you're not careful when you make a statement, um, you know, well, and you have to exercise that right to stay silent. You know what I mean? Your Fifth Amendment right. You're the only one who can waive it. And once you once you you can't get up on the stand 
and say, I'm only going to talk about what I did that morning. I'm not going to talk about the time of the killing that night. I mean, once you're up there, you're up there, right? That's right. That's the uh, lowest learner, IRS. I didn't do this and this and this, but I'm going to exercise my Fifth Amendment rights to not say anything else. You can't do that. You, you just can't. And and you know, how do you force somebody to talk? I can't go and make your lips move and do all that. What you can do is the court can hold them in contempt if they refuse to answer questions. If the court has determined that they've already waived the right. Either, what, either way, you're going to go sit in jail. And what we can do on the show is have... Quick takes. Quick takes. What's your quick take, Todd? So my quick tape, quick take is, I think the Ninth Circuit wanted a stairway to meet... Jimmy Page. That's why they granted it. So stairway to meet Jimmy Page, because uh, this came up in an earlier portion of the show. If you're listening to this one, you've probably had the opportunity to hear all three hours because uh, you're there. But Jimmy Page and Led Zeppelin um, still at it with the copyright and the Ninth Circuit wants to hear it all together. Will Ramey, any quick takes for us? Uh, you know, I've got a quick take that we really miss an opportunity for Todd to play the part of Jack Nicholson and for me to play the part of Tom Cruise on the radio. If you know us, I am a dead ringer for Tom Cruise. Fair point. And okay. Todd is a dead ringer for Jack Nicholson. That's a fair point also. Well, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> uh, well, you, you got a quick take there, Cal? Nope. The only quick take I have is thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Radio Law Talk. You have been listening to RadioLawTalk.com, a copyrighted presentation of Radio Law Talk Incorporated.